केशु केशु भावेशु चिंतो से भगवान मया ओ लॉर्ड वट आर दो स्पेसिफिक मैनिफेस्टेशन ऑफ योर्स इन विच आई शुड मेडिटेट अपॉन यू थिंक ऑफ यू एंड एवर लॉर्ड द पर्पज ऑफ डिस्क्राइबिंग द ग्लोरीज इज सो दैट द डिवोटी कैन थिंक ऑफ द लॉर्ड वट इज दट रिमाइंड मी ऑफ गॉड इफ एवरीथिंग इज गॉड देन आइडियली एवरीथिंग शुड रिमाइंड मी ऑफ गॉड so everything does not remind me of god not because god is not everywhere but because my mind is not quite ready so my mind is not pure enough to be that sensitive enough and therefore when the mind is not developed that sensitivity to appreciate the presence of god everywhere well whatever sensitivity it has with reference to limited sensitivity that i have i may be able to appreciate the presence of god or divinity in some of those unusual or extraordinary extraordinary manifestations and therefore lord krishna describes them ultimately the idea is that the devotee may be able to see everything as the glory of the lord but before one can do that at least a few things i can appreciate as the glory of the lord in few places and things i can see the presence of lord and with that in course of time i may develop this sensitivity to appreciate lord in everything <clears throat> and that's the purpose of describing the glories as we also said all this description lot of objects and things that lord krishna mentions here as his glories or as divine manifestations many of them we may not be familiar with the western people may not be familiar with anything perhaps but even the eastern people also are not familiar with many because they are not current all these things and objects may be very currently known to the people at the time of arjuna but at this time some of them are not known to us or even if we know the names they don't in any way create in us that sense feeling of godliness and that is why many of them may not be relevant to us and some of them are relevant also like lord krishna said sun is my glory sun is my glory is <clears throat> a very light that illumines the whole world here you know meditate upon me as manifest as sun <clears throat> meditate upon me as manifest as moon because that pleases the whole world manifest upon me thus it is those things that are known to us lord krishna said indriyanam marasyasmi among all the sense organs of perception i am the mind so among all the sense organs i am the mind so mind also with its wonderful capacities is the glory of the lord bhutanamasmi chetana that very chetana that very consciousness that very intelligence that is manifest in the body that which keeps the body alive that very intelligence that is manifest in the body all the students of science know how how wonderful the intelligence is how the core intelligent core is built into every dna and how every second that body reflects the intelligence in terms of responding to the situation that arises moment to moment it's just amazing thus when we think of that the intelligence which manifests life in this body lord krishna says that is my glory you have meditated upon that as me continuing from the verse 23 lord krishna says here rudranam shankarashchasmi rudranam shankarashchasmi vitesho yaksharakshasam वित्तेशो यक्षरक्षसा 
ருத்ராணாம் சங்கரஸ்மி அமங்க ருத்ரா ஐ எம் சங்கர சோ ருத்ரா இஸ் அ கிளாஸ் ஆஃப் காட்ஸ் இலெவன் ருத்ரா இஸ் அ கிளாஸ் ஆஃப் காட்ஸ் ருத்ரா இஸ் ஃப்ரம் தி மிடில் ஆஃப் ஐப்ரோஸ் ஆஃப் பிரம்மா at the beginning of creation so when brahma the creator was creating the universe and from the different limbs of his body different gods arose different beings came out from his mind came out those four sages sanaka sanandana sanatana sanatkumara and thus and from the middle of the eyebrow so when when he was creating when his four children were born he asked them to join him in the in the act of creation but these four were born pure with total dispassion and therefore they did not accept their father's call to join him in his process of creation they didn't want to enter the samsara and so brahma it says was very angry and there was such an anger in him that out of the anger came out from the middle of the eyebrows a god that is called rudra <coughs> rudra is the one who makes everybody weep rodayate the rudra the one who makes everybody weep also is called rudra of course he makes people weep because of as a result of their sins as a result of their unbecoming actions so rudra and this rudra as he came out then ultimately he got divided into 11 parts and that's how we have 11 expressions of rudra rudra can be said to be the destructive force therefore lord is the creator preserver as well as destroyer and so as destroyer he is called rudra this rudra maybe the destructive power in the universe may be said to have 11 forms of expression 11 in 11 ways let us say the destructive power is evident of them so there are names of this rudra veera veera bhadra shambhu girisha aja ekapada etc so many names are 11 names are there of them one is shambhu which also means shankara So Shambhu, the Asmadi Shambhu. Shambh means auspiciousness. Shambh means happiness. So one who is the source of happiness is called Shambhu. Or Shamkarodhi, the Shankara. One who brings about happiness wherever he goes or wherever he is called Shankara. Very interesting. Among the Rudras, I am Shankara. Among those who make you weep, I am Shankara. Can you believe that? Shankara means one that brings about happiness. That brings about auspiciousness. how can there be happiness or auspiciousness associated with pain with crying so these 11 rudras they are not only in the world but these 11 rudras are within us also so they were given this 11 places in our own body the five organs of perception the five organs of action and the mind so these are the 11 places the rudras are given and when this human being becomes extrovert because only oriented towards pleasure and comfort in the life then there is a compromise of dharma or what we call the the moral code or righteousness so thus when a person becomes extrovert so these 11 senses are there so through organs of perception organs of action through mind he starts indulging into the pleasures of the world and compromising dharma or righteousness ultimately then we know the result result is nothing but the pain in the beginning it is very it sounds very sweet you know but ultimately turns out to be very painful that life and that's how this person starts weeping or crying so that's how rudra makes him cry on account of it to draw the attention that look what you are doing is not right 
And so when, due to the life of indulgence, when a lot of pain comes to this person, on account of a lot of conflicts that are created, stresses that are created, all kinds of things that happen, when Rudanam, they, they cry, he starts weeping or crying, then he realizes that what he's doing is not right, and that's how the person becomes introvert. And that is how ultimately he gains that ultimate happiness. So by making him weep, that becomes the, that creates what we call the viveka or the discrimination, vairagya, dispassion. So experiences of life also can make a, make a person learn. Even pain also is very useful. If we use it properly, of course, pain is, pain also comes to teach us something, provided that is our attitude towards pain. And thus, the pain that comes in the life on account of indulging in sense pleasure also ultimately opens the eyes of this person and he learns something from the life that this is not what he has to do or this is not, this, this is not, this cannot give what he's seeking. And that's how he becomes a seeker of the self and gains the ultimate happiness. That's how Shankara, the Rudra also becomes the giver of happiness. So Rudraam, Shankarashas, among the Rudras, among the eleven, the gods called Rudras, I am Shankara, a Rudra called Shankara or Shambhu, in this sense also. Vittesho Yaksharakshasam. Among the Yakshas and Rakshasas, I am the Vittesha. So, Yaksha, the fellow Rakshasa is the one who wants to protect. Raksha means to protect. So when the wealth comes, Yaksha, one fellow says, eat up everything. Other fellow says, protect everything. So this Yaksha is a fellow who wants to eat everything. That means he is a person who is oriented towards just the pleasures of life. Whatever comes, keep on enjoying it, keep on enjoying it. There are one kind of people. Raksha are the people who do not enjoy, who keep everything. No, neither they enjoy it, nor they allow anybody else to enjoy them. Rakshasas. Anyway, so Yaksha and Rakshasa. So these are the beings. Basically, they stand for all the wealth and power. Rakshasas are very powerful people. Yakshas are all wealthy people. And Yakshas and Rakshasas stand for wealth and power. So Lord Krishna says, among all those beings who are wealthy and powerful, I am Vitteshaha, I am Kubera. Kubera is the name of a god, who is a treasurer of all the gods, and therefore he is the richest one in the whole universe. Not only in the earth, he is the richest one in the whole universe. He is a devotee of the Lord, and he is the son of a sage, whose name was Vishravas. So when he chanted in the evening the mantra, Raja Dhiraja Prasaya Sahine, Namo Vayam Vaishravanaya Kurmahe Vaishravana He is the son of the Vishravas Rushi, that is Kubera. So in fact we are worshipping Kubera, the giver of all the wealth. So if you want wealth, then we should worship Kubera. Whether you want external wealth or inner wealth. Here when we are reciting that mantra, where we request or we pray to this Lord to fulfill all our desires, hopefully they are not the desires of the worldly things, but the desires for the spiritual growth. But anyway, he is the one who fulfills all the desires. Vittesha. Vitta means wealth. Isham is the Lord, the Lord of wealth. Kubera. <coughs> he was the brother of Ravana, by the way, you know. He's, uh, so, uh, his father, Vishravas, had three wives. From one wife was born Kubera. From another wife were born Ravana and Kumbhakarana. 
So third wife was born Vibhishan. That's how they were the brothers that way. Except Ravana drove away Kubera from Lanka and snatched away his Pushpaka Vimana and things like that, you know. So anyway, the Kubera ultimately went to heavens. He also performed penance and got that position. And Kubera is one of the Dikpala. There's a concept of Dikpala means protectors of the quarters. Then the world has these eight quarters, so ten quarters. Four directions, four corners, up and down, so there are ten directions. And there are said the protectors of these ten directions. And Kubera, of course they are very important people, very important gods. So there are ten gods protecting these ten directions. Kubera is one of them also. He also has a very important place in the, in the, in, in the, among the gods. So Vitesha, Yaksha Rakshasam, among the Yakshas and Rakshasas, among the that race, I am Vitesha, I am Kubera, I am Kubera. Vasunam, Pavakas Chasmi, again another, another uh, class of gods called Vasu, there are eight. So Adityas are twelve, Rudras are eleven, Vasus are eight. <coughs> Vasunam, among the eight Vasus, this Dhruva, Advara, Apa, Soma, Anala, Anila, Pratyusha, Prabhasa, so many, these eight uh, Vasus are there. Among them, uh, I am Pavakaha. There is one Vasu whose name was Pava, Anala. Anala means fire. So I am the fire, or I am Pavaka. Pavaka also means fire, Anala also means fire. So Pavaka is not the name we find. Among eight Vasus we find the name Anala, which means fire. So Lord Krishna, I am that particular Vasu. Again, as I said, we don't know these Vasus. That means we are, it doesn't, uh, doesn't do anything to us, the Vasus. There are lots of stories of all these Devatas. And by the way, Bhishma Pitamaha also was one of the Vasus. These eight Vasus was one, were once cursed. That you fellows will be born on the earth as human beings. And all of them prayed because they stole something. One of them stole something and all of the eight, all of eight, all the eight of them were cursed, you know, that you fellows have stolen this. So then they prayed, it's alright, the seven of you who are only accomplices, not the actual stealers, will go to the earth and live for a very short time. But this eight fellow is actually stole, he will live there for a long time. So that is how these eight Vasus, and then they were born as the sons of Ganga. You know, the Ganges? So Ganges was the, the wife of Shantanu, the sage Shantanu, not sage, king, king Shantanu. And once he was walking in the evening, of was a very beautiful woman, and that was Ganga. And he proposed to her. And then she said, okay, I get married to you with one condition, that you should never interfere in anything that I do. Moment you interfere, moment you question me, I'll disappear. It's okay. And so, fine, that's how she became his queen. And uh, she gave birth to one son. She took the son, walked away, and dropped the, dropped the son into Ganga. That king saw that, couldn't, did not say anything because he was afraid she'll disappear. Then second son was born. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh sons were born. One after that, all of them were thrown away into the Ganges by this woman. When the eighth son was born, and when she was going to do the same thing, then this king could not stand it anymore. And she said, hey, what are you doing? Don't do that. 
She says, well, our condition was that you're never going to interfere, never going to question me. You did. She disappeared, leaving the son there. So those seven sons, they were almost as soon as they were born, they died. There were those seven vasus who were cursed, but then who had to spend a very short time. But the eight fellow who had actually stolen had to spend a long time. So that became the Bhishma. So that is how um, Bhishma is his title actually. And so because he, he took a tremendous vow of remaining celibate for the whole of his life and that vow is, is uh, so difficult to, to be able to live with, therefore he came to be called Bhishma. <coughs> so that also is, that's why they were so powerful. All these people are, are actually, the, they, they are the incarnation of different gods. That's the reason why Bhishma is so powerful because he was the incarnation of that Vasu. Anyway, that's by the way, I mean, you know, Lord Krishna here is, says, Vasunam Pavakaschasmi. I mean, you can use these things to just listen to some stories. That's how the uh, Vibhuti Yoga. Among the eight Vasus, I am the Vasu called Pavaka or Anala. Lord Krishna says, Meruhu Shikharinamaham. Shikhari. Shikhari means the mountains. Shikhara means the peak. Shikhara means peak. Shikhari. One having a peak, that means mountain. Shikharinam, among the mountains, among having tall peaks. I am Meru. That's called Mahameru. That Mahameru is a great mountain, golden mountain actually. With all kinds of uh, precious stones and things and the wonderful descriptions are there of that mountain. Supposedly that's the mountain that is the axis of the whole universe. The whole universe rotates around that mountain and that's the axis. The sun and the moon all rotate around that mountain and the whole universe rotates also around and that is the axis which does not move. And that's the one that connects earth with the heavens. So that's the Meru. And uh, on the top of that lives Brahma, the god of creation. Creation. <coughs> Other gods also live on that mound. There are different peaks are there. So this is a mythological mountain, golden mountain. Called Meru. Lord Krishna says, Meruhu Shikharanamaham. Among all the mountains having tall peaks, I am the Meru. Then continuing the next verse. Purodhasam chamukhyamam. Purodhasam chamukhyamam. Vidhipartha bruhaspatim. Vidhipartha bruhaspatim. Sena nina maham skandaha, Sena nina maham skandaha, Sarasamas misagaraha, Sarasamas misagaraha. Purodhasam, Purodhas means Purohita. So Purodhas means Purohita, means a priest here. Purohita, one who sees the welfare of the, uh, of the sponsor. So Purohita priest, he is called Purohita because he always, Puram is ahead, he looks ahead for the well-being of his client. He is called Purohita, the priest. And of course, in the olden days, the kings were Kshatriyas and Kshatriya kings always had their priests. Like King Dasharatha had the priest in sage Vasishtha. King Janaka had the priest in sage Shatanana. And like this, these priests were there, very powerful people. Very learned people, wise people, and they were the Brahmins. 
So they provided the very wisdom and the Kshatriyas who had the power and that's how the power always had the benefit of the wisdom. Therefore, that power always was protective and was beneficial. So among all these, among all the priests who were also like the Gurus, also the Gurus, the, the teachers, Hey Arjuna, know me to be Brahaspati. Indra is the king of gods and he also is a priest. He also is a teacher whose name is Brahaspati. Brahaspati was one of the greatest. Brahaspati means the one who is a pati or the master of the Brahas or the speech, master of the Vedas. Because all these sages knew Vedas, but Brahaspati knew the entire Veda along with all the meanings. That's why he, he was the priest of the, the king, I mean the gods. And it is because of him that Indra and the gods were able to win so many battles. Because by his advice and by the various rituals and the religious things that were performed under his guidance, the devatas or the gods gained so much strength to be able to defeat the asuras, the demons. What happens is when you win, then you become arrogant. So once this Indra won the battle, so devatas won the battle against the asuras, the demons, and he became a little arrogant. And it is said that once then Brahaspati, the teacher, the, the priest, he came in the court, so Indra is sitting on his throne in his court and Brahaspati, the teacher, enters. Normally Indra would go to Brahaspati and prostrate to him and sit at his feet and everything else. That was the usual relationship. But today in fact Brahaspati came. And still Indra did not as much as even get up from his seat as a mark of respect and Brahaspati got upset he disappeared moment he disappeared there was nobody to advise his Indra and the gods as to what they should do and then he had no advisor and then there was a threat of these demons they are always waiting moment the Devasa become little weak the demons are always waiting to attack them so anyway ultimately Indra had to appoint another priest Vishwarupa that was the name this person had three heads, and so Vishwarupa. So he also, of course, helped Indra perform various rituals. Except what he would do is that, with one, one ahuti, one oblation he give for the devutas, other he give for the asuras, because he belonged to the He actually, this Vishwarupa, came from the lineage of the demons. And therefore, inside, he was always waiting, worshipping, he was always wishing good of the demons also. So he gave one ahuti for the devutas, other Ahudi for the demons. And when Indra came to know of that, he killed him. Then he was without the priest. And then, then they were attacked by the demons and that's how lots of the stories go like that. Ultimately, he prayed to Brahaspati, Brahaspati came back and then they were able to again, you know, with his advice, able to conquer and get the kingdom back. So, Brahaspati, very powerful and wise, so, Swastina Indra, Vruddhashravaha, Swastina Pushaha, Vishwavedaha, Swastina Staraksho, Arishtanemi, Swastina Bruhaspati Radhatu. Bruhaspati is also the god of the speech and the god of the intellect. So, we pray him, pray to him. So, he is a god of speech. So, he inspires with good speech. So, Lord Krishna, Bruhaspati is my glory. I am manifest as Bruhaspati. So no doubt all the priests are my glory. But among them, the Burhaspati is the outstanding one. Senani nam aham skandha 
So Lord Krishna here just narrates objects of people of different class. So Purodhasam among all the priests, Shikharina among all mountains, so forth. Similarly, Senaminam among all the commanders in chief. Sena means Sena means army. Senani means the, ar- the commander of the army. So there are many well-known commanders also. Lord Krishna says, among all the commanders of army, I am the Skandha. Skandha means Kartikeya. He was the son of Lord Shiva. Specially born to destroy or kill one demon whose name was Tarakasura. This demon Tarakasura was so powerful that nobody could kill him. Even Lord Shiva also could not kill him because he had, he had performed such tremendous penance and had such wounds that nobody could kill him. But then there was one, there was one condition that son of Lord Shiva would kill you. Except Lord Shiva would never have a son because he's always in his samadhi, always in penance and nobody can disturb him. So these devdas did not know how to have, how to, how to conceive so that Lord Shiva has a son. And so here is Goddess Parvati. So, of course, in the earlier incarnation, Parvati was called Sati. And then she come, she died actually because that whole story there. But she went to the yaga performed by her father and she was not welcome there. And then she threw herself in the fire. And that's how she, Lord Shiva lost his wife. Then he was in his samadhi. And this Parvati, that same Sati was born as the daughter of Himalaya. He was called Parvata means mountain. Parvati is the son of mountain. So she was born as the daughter of Himalaya. And she performed penance. Now gods wanted that she perform penance to, become, to get married to Lord Shiva. Except Lord Shiva was in his samadhi. So devtas wanted, how can they unite, you see? So how to wake him up from the samadhi? So he want, they, want to, they wanted Lord Shiva to be disturbed from his samadhi. And therefore they approached Kamadeva, that is Kandarpa, that is the god of passion. Like Cupid, you know, they approached him. And so, please disturb Lord Shiva from his samadhi. And he wakes up, then he can get married to this Parvati. And that is how Kamadeva went to disturb Lord Shiva in the samadhi. And of course, he his sport. So the spring season came, the fragrance, the music, the dance, and all kinds of things came to insight. And Lord Shiva was somewhat, he was a little disturbed from his samadhi. He was angry as to who disturbed him, opened his eyes and saw that Kamadeva, that Cupid, the Lord of Passion, and he looked at him and that fellow was burned to ashes. Poor Devatas, that whole scheme was to actually uh, not only wake up Lord Shiva, but also to encourage him to get married. But here he destroyed the Passion right away. Of course, then they prayed to him and he accepted to get married to Parvati. And then the son was born to them. So this is the Kartikeya or Skanda. And then he killed that. He was appointed then as the commander-in-chief of all the Devatas, the army of the Devatas. And he killed that demon Tarakaswar. So among these Senani, of course, Skanda is a very, uh, very well-known deity in the south of India. He's also called Subramanya. He's called Skanda. Sharavana is different names, depending on how this origin is traced. He's also called Kumara. So, I am the Skanda. Sarasamasmi Sagaraha. 
among the reservoirs and the ocean, Lord Krishna says. Once upon a time ocean was a lake, was a reservoir of sweet water. Now of course it is sour, I mean salty water. Once upon a time it was the ocean of a reservoir of sweet water. Can you imagine? It's a, it's a lake. It's called Sagara. Sagara is called because it was dug. This whole, what is called ocean, was dug. Like a lake is dug. It is not a natural lake, but something that is dug and created into a lake. By the sons of Sagara, therefore it is called Sagara. And the 60,000 sons of Sagara dug this because they were in search of that horse that was uh, stolen by Indra. So again, <laughs> there was a king whose name was Sagara and he had, he had 60,000 sons by one wife. <laughs> and he had once, well, it is like this, actually he had two wives. To one wife he had a son whose name was Asamanjasa. To another wife now there was a boon that there will be 60,000 sons. Well, how can you have that? So from that wife was born just a lump of flesh. And then it is said that Lord Shiva came and he cut that into 60,000 pieces and all of them became 60,000 men. You know that's how he had 60,000 sons plus one. And then he was performing what is called Shvameda Yaga. This was 100 Ashwamedha Yaga. It is said that if you perform 100 Ashwamedha Yaga, you become Indra. So 99 were already done. This was 100 Ashwamedha Yaga. In the Ashwamedha Yaga, the condition is Ashwamedha is a horse. The sacrificial horse is let loose. It travels through all the territories and whichever territory it goes through, then the king belonging to that territory has to challenge. And an army goes along with its horse, it will challenge every territory and conquer the territories, conquer the whole world. That's how the horse will come back and will be finally sacrificed. That's called Ashwamedha. And so the horse was thus let loose and then this army of 60,000 sons also was going behind them. And then Indra. So if this hundred Yaga is performed, is concluded, then the Sagara will become Indra. Naturally, then Indra's position is threatened. And so, when this horse went behind the mountains, Indra apparently came and stole that horse away. So that this Yaga would not be complete. And this poor, this army of 60,000 children, sons, man, they did not know where he went. And so, they kept on and following the whole earth. And then they wanted to go to Netherworld, Spatala. So they dug the earth so that they can go down. And ultimately they went down to Patal and they found that horse. What Indra did was he took that horse and brought it to the hermitage of Sage Kapila, whose name also will come in here. The Sage Kapila was in his samadhi and the horse is just tied there. And these 60,000 sons, they come there and find the horse in the hermitage of Sage Kapila. And this sage is in Samadhi and they were upset. Look at this person has stolen our horse and now he is he's, he's posing here as a great sage. So he made a lot of noise, you know, and they sort of disturbed him. And the sage was disturbed from his, his penance and he saw these fellows making noise there and disturbing him and he was very upset. He looked at them, all of them were turned to ash. All the 60,000 uh-huh. were turned to ash. And then ultimately their father Sagara came to know. But then when you die like this, that means that you will go to hell. 
he didn't want that his sons should go to hell. So how to release them so that they can go to heavens? Then how the funeral rites must be performed properly? So somebody advised him that only Ganges, which flows in the heavens, if she comes down on the earth and then she washes these ashes, then they will all get liberated, go to heavens. That's how the whole process began of bringing the, the Ganges from the heavens to the earth. And that Ganges then filled up that whole lake, which is called ocean. So when she filled up, it must be all sweet, you know. Later on, of course, as the rivers keep on dumping all kinds of salts, then it becomes salty. But Lord Krishna is a sagara. Among all the reservoirs, I am sagara, I am the ocean. Then continuing the next verse, says here, Maharshinam Bhruguraham Maharshinam Bhruguraham Giramasmeka Maksharam Giramasmeka Maksharam Yajnanam Japa Yajnyosmi Yajnanam Japa Yajnyosmi Stavaranam Himalayaha Stavaranam Himalayaha Maharshi Nam, among the great sages, Maharshi. I am Bhrugu. Bhrugu is a very prominent sage, very prominent sage, and he is the ancestor of Parshurama. So, Parshurama is also called Bhargava. So, all those descendants are called Bhargava. So, sage So, Parshurama, who is the incarnation of Lord Vishnu, was born in that, uh, in that clan. So, I am the sage Bhrugu, supposed to be the son of Brahma, the creator. <coughs> Giraman, all these sages find there are lots of stories about them in so many Puranas. There is not one Purana in India, there are Puranas, 18 Puranas and 18 Upa Puranas and, and, and so all these people find their, you know, they appear in all those Puranas and so many stories are there. About Bhrugu also, many stories are there. A um, very, very well-known story about Sage Bhrugu, I think most of you would know, is it's, it is said that once upon a time the sages had assembled at one place and there, there was a debate as to who is, the be- who is the greatest among all the gods. Basically three gods, the trinity is there, Brahma the creator, Vishnu the preserver and Shiva the destroyer. So among three, who is the greatest? Some people said Brahma is the greatest, some other people said no, Vishnu is the greatest, some other people said no, Shiva is the greatest. So all the sages then said, all right, they chose the one man commission of sage Bhrugu. So one committee, committee, one person committee, sage Bhrugu was appointed to determine who is the best among them all. So Bhrugu says, okay, then first he went to Brahma, Brahma the creator, as we said, he is the son of Brahma. So Brahma is his father. And Brahma is there in his court and Bhrugu enters. The son must, when the son approaches the father, there is certain way of approaching. I mean, you should, you should show reverence to your father. He just goes and stands there like that, you know, provoking Brahma. And Brahma was provoked. So what is this? This is not the way that a son should behave. And then I was angry. And Bhrugu walked away. Then he goes to Lord Shiva, Mount Kailasa. Shiva is supposed to be his brother because Rudra is born from, from Brahma also, from the eyebrows and uh, from the middle of the eyebrows. That's why this is the place of the Shiva also. And, um, and Bhrugu also is born of Brahma. 
so uh, and Lord Shiva saw Bhagu approaching him. He was so happy that his brother is coming. He got up from his seat and wanted to receive him and embrace him. And Bhagu says, hey, don't touch me. With all your, you know, all the inauspicious things that you're carrying on your body. Because Lord Shiva has these snakes there and then there's a garland of skulls and he says, don't touch me. And Lord Shiva was so upset. He says, what? You know, you are insulting me. I came to receive you and you are insulting me. And he was so angry. Then Goddess Parvati ultimately, you know, uh, quieted him. Prabhu walked away. Then he went to Lord Vishnu. Lord Vishnu is, is reclining in his uh, yoga nidra. And then Prabhu enters there. And of course Lord Vishnu is in his samadhi, samadhi yoga nidra. He is in his yogic sleep. And though he does not take notice of Bhrugu coming in there. And Sage Bhrugu gets upset. He gets upset now. He says, here I am. I come here and you don't even have the courtesy of receiving me. And you are just posing as though lying. You are in your, in your yogic sleep. And so Bhrugu kicks him on the chest. Kicks Lord Narayana on his chest. And Lord Narayana is aroused. And he saw also in Bhrugu standing there. And of course, the, the kick. And you know, Lord Vishnu says, Oh Lord Sage, I'm sorry. You came and I did not know. I'm sorry that I failed to receive you in an appropriate way. And not only that, but I'm further sorry that you must be hurt. My chest is so hard and your feet are so soft, so delicate. And so you kick me. Therefore, your feet must be hurt. He started caressing the feet of the sage. Then Bhrugu says, here is a god, he is the best among them all. And that's how <laughs> Bhrugu concluded that Vishnu said, Lord Narayana is the best among the three. <clears throat> and not only that, but Lord Narayana said that from now on I will carry the mark of his feet, of the foot. So wherever Lord Narayana carries on his chest the mark of the, the foot of this sage uh, Bhrugu. So it's called Bhrugulata or Bhrugu Chinha. His Bhrugu's daughter was Lakshmi. So that is also called the Chinha of Lakshmi. So Lakshmi is said to reside on the Vakshasthala, the chest of Lord Narayana in that form. So whenever Lord Vishnu is, he takes avatar, either Rama or Krishna, one of the things you will find in the description is the uh, Srivatsa, that Chinha or that, uh, that mark, you know, carrying the, the, the shape of the feet of Sage Prabhu. He carries it on his chest. So Maharshinam, Bhraguraham, among all the sages, I am Bhragu. Giram Asmi Ekamaksharam. Among the Giram, Giram, Gir means words of the speech. Giram, among all the speech of the words, I am the Ekaksharam, the single syllable, I am the Om. Among all the words, I am Om, the single syllable. Supposed to be the origin of everything. Om, oh, the primordial sound. Yajnanam japa yajnosmi. Among all the yajna, not only rituals but yajna. Yajna is a sacrificial ritual wherein we invoke the gods. So when we light up the fire, invoke the gods in the fire and make offering in the fire. Lord Krishna says, among all the yajnas, I am japa yajna. I'm the yajna of the nature of japa. Japa means repeating the name of Lord. This is also yajna, also worship. Among all forms of worship, 
on the japa. Because every other form of worship always involves offering of some material. They always involve some material. Particularly yajna, which is a sacrifice, involves offering of material to fire and never involves some violence. So every form of action, in fact, every action will involve some violence or other. There is no action that can be totally non-violent. Even the action of the speaking also is going to involve some violence, some bacteria may be killed, something will happen. That's the reason why the sages or the, the saints in the, in, the, in the sect called Jain the Lord and particularly mentally repeating the name of the Lord does not involve any himsa at all, does not involve any violence, any killing. And therefore, and of course it is most effective of all forms of worship, the most effective is repeating the name of God. Of that also, that repetition can take place in three ways. Uttamastavad, Ucha Mandataha, Chittajam Japam, Dhyanam Uttamam, Ucha. I can decide the name loudly. More, more effective than that is reciting a name slowly, just murmuring. And more effective than them is reciting mentally. So, hundred times more effective than loud recital is murmuring. Hundred times more effective than the murmuring is a mental recital. Japa. So Lord Krishna says, among all the yajnas, I am the Japa yajna. Sthavaranam Himalaya. Among all the mountains, I am Himalayas. Among all the mountains, the tall peaks, I am Meru. Among all other mountains, I am the Himalaya. Of course, Himalayas also have find a place in Puranas, many stories about Himalaya also. Hima means ice. And Alaya, that is abode of the ice, so the snow is called Himalaya. So he is the permanent abode of snow. It always has snow-peaked mountains, and therefore it is called Himalaya. And it is the most, most sacred mountain also. All mountains are sacred, but among them Himalaya is the most sacred. Because that is the seat of all the sages, of all the gods. It's the origin of the Ganges. Ganges also symbolizes the flow of knowledge. So Himalaya also symbolizes the origin of all the knowledge. Because the sages are also living there, the gods also live there. Lord Shiva also lives in Kailas and the Himalayas. In the northern direction, Himalayas therefore always have remained, always an aspiration of all the religious people in India to travel and have darshan of Himalayas. Even people living as far as south, they always aspire to someday travel to Himalayas. Of course, these days it is very easy, but in the olden days when there were modes of transportation not available, people would take, I don't know, months and months long journey to travel to Himalayas. <coughs> as I said, even fifty years ago, much transportation was not there in the Himalayas. You only could go up to uh, Haridwar, and later on you could go up to Rishikesh. But beyond that, there was no transportation. Then you had to walk to all these what we call four dhana, or these four shrines of Yamunotri, Gangotri, Kedarnath and Badrinath. Of the four shrines, two shrines are pertaining to Lord Shiva, Kedarnath and Gangotri. Other two shrines pertaining to Lord Vishnu, Badrinath and Yamunotri. So traditionally these people, the, the devotees, they visit these four shrines but formally you have to go on foot and 
with very limited facilities available. So when people will go for such a yatra, for such a pilgrimage, we will bid them goodbye because nobody knows whether they'll come back or not. They did not mind also. If their body falls there, that's fine. What better could there be than that? So people will go that way. If they came back, it was nice. But anyway, so Himalayas are very sacred. So among the mountains are the Himalayas. Continuing with the next verse, says Lord Krishna, Ashwatha Sarva Brukshanam Ashwatha Sarva Brukshanam Devarshina Anchanaradaha Devarshina Anchanaradaha Gandharvanam Chitra Rathaha Gandharvanam Chitra Rathaha Siddhanam Kapilomunihi Siddhanam Kapilomunihi Ashwatha Saravrukshanam. Here, you know, all the, all the trees are my manifestations, but among all the trees, I am Ashwatha. The sacred ficus, religiosa. Ashwatha is a people tree. So even banyan tree also is in the same class, but Ashwatha means the people tree. That is considered very sacred. Even banyan tree also is considered sacred. But people tree is also considered very sacred because, of course, trees are very sacred. And so we find the, the hermits or the sadhus, the mendicants often live under the trees. But among them also, Ashwatha tree has a sudden. All these things have sudden spiritual effects also. That's what is meant here. So when these objects are specifically mentioned, what is meant is there is something outstanding or something special about them. Everything is manifestation of spirit, but there are certain things which are more like the glories. Like for example, uh, Carbon is carbon, charcoal also is carbon, and diamond also is carbon. But diamond is a glory among the charcoals. Among the charcoal, I am diamond, he might say. All surfaces are surfaces, but then mirror is a surface which reflects my face. So among all the surfaces, I am mirror, he may say. It's a glory. So like this, all the rivers are rivers, all right. But the Ganges is something special because it removes all your sins. Among all the rivers, I am Ganges. So everything is no doubt the manifestation of Lord, but among them, these are the special objects which have an outstanding effect. That's why they mentioned here. Among the trees, I am the people tree, which is of course very famous. Uzumulam adashakam ashwatham prahu avyam. The people tree also is compared to the samsara. And a lot of then the description is there. But among the trees, I am the people tree. This tree is worshipped in India also. People go and worship the trees. It is said that at the bottom of the tree lives Brahma, the creator. In the middle of the tree lives Vishnu, the preserver. On the leaves of the tree lives Rudra or Shiva, the destroyer. And therefore, you find people worshipping the bottom of the tree. Those who are seeking progeny, they worship this tree at the bottom. And so this tree is supposed to be the abode of the, abode of the gods. Therefore, Ashwatthaya. Devarshinam Chanaradaha Maharshi, now there is Devarshi. So Deva Eva Santaha Vashitvam Praptaha. Among the gods, so one is already God, Deva. Among the God, being God, one who gained the status of Rishi is called Devarshi. So sage Narada is specially mentioned here. The, among the Devarshis, I am Narada. Therefore, Rishi Mantra Dashitvat. When they become the seers of the mantra, they are called Rishis. And they are also Deva, therefore Deva and Rishi. One is Deva, God as well as Rishi is called Devarshi. 
Among them, I am Narada. Narada is the most famous one. In every Purana you find him. Everywhere his stories are there. Lots and lots of stories of Narada. <coughs> he had the passport to go anywhere. That's one thing. He had the passport to travel anywhere in the universe. And therefore, he would be now in Vaikuntha. And then he would take the message to Kailasa. Then he will go to Brahmaloka. He can come to earth. All kinds of things. And Sage Narada is one of the most wonderful ones. In fact, the the origin of Ramayana can be traced to Sage Narada. Because Sage Narada was the one who first gave the Upadesha to Sage Valmiki. Once when Narada was traveling, went to the hermitage of Valmiki, Sage Valmiki asked him, Who is the most exalted being on this earth? And Sage Narada said, Rama. In one hundred verses he described the whole Ramayana in brief. And that formed the basis of Sage Valmiki to write this Ramayana elaborately. So you can say that Sage Narada is the one who gave out this Ramayana. When you go to Bhagavata, similar stories. It is said that Sage Veda Vyasa, having written all the Puranas also, did not find really the contentment. And then Sage Narada then gives him, teaches him the Bhagavata very briefly. And then Sage Veda Vyasa wrote the whole Bhagavata. And so for the origin of Bhagavatam also can be traced to Sage Narada. Of course the Vedantins know Narada in another way also. In Chandogya Upanishad, the seventh chapter of Chandogya Upanishad is, is a dialogue between Sage Sanat Kumara and Narada. Where is Sage Narada approaches Sanat Kumara? Adihi Bhagavo Brahmeti, O Lord, please teach me Brahma. Then Sanat Kumara asks him, All right, plus tell me, what do you know? And the sage Narada narrates all the things that he knows. He knew everything in the world. All the vidya, all forms of knowledge he knew. Including, including music and dance and everything he knew. He narrates the whole thing. All the Vedas, all Itihasas, Puranas and everything he knew. And then says, I who is so learned, is still grieving. I who is so famous, so accomplished, so learned, Soham Bhagavashochami, I suggest that, is still grieving. Tanman Bhagavan Shokasiparam Tarayatu, O Revere Sir, you may please enable me to cross this ocean of grief. And then Sage Sanat Kumara starts his Upadesha, that from the seventh chapter of Chandogya Upanishad, where there is a teaching of Bhuma. Bhuma means Brahman. So Bhuma, which of the nature of Ananda or happiness. So that is the Narada. Gandharvanam Chitrasaha. All the Gandharva. Gandharva is a class of uh, celestial beings. Gandharva. They are the musicians of the gods. Gandharvas. Kinnaras are all the singers. And Gandharvas are those who play on the musical instruments. So, they are a class of semi-demigods, you may say. Gandharvas. Among the Gandharvas, Lord Krishna says, I am Chitrasaha. In fact, Arjuna had an encounter with Chitrasaha once. You know, Pandava had an encounter with Chitrasaha also. <coughs> Siddhanam Kapilomanihi. Among the Siddha, Siddha are also the kind of beings. Janmanayeva Dharma Jnana Vairagya Atishayam Praptanam. So those beings who possess the excellence of Dharma, the righteousness, Jnanam, the wisdom, Vairagya, the dispassion, those who are possessed of this from the birth itself, they are called Siddha. Siddha means already accomplished one. So not avatara, not God, but the accomplished beings are also born sometimes. Even Kapila is said to be also incarnation of Lord Vishnu. 
In Bhagavata, there is a story of this sage Kapila, who is the son of Kadarma Rushi, and the name of his mother was Devahuti. And this sage Kapila is said to have given the Upadesha instruction to his mother, Devahuti. The mother approaches the son, please teach me. And the son then gives her the, uh, in Bhagavatam, there is this Upadesha, Kapila Upadesha it is called, and he teaches her and gives her the knowledge of bhakti, etc. And after that, the mother really gets liberated. Sage Kapila also is well known to have given out what we call the Sankhya Shastra. So we have said Darshana, Sankhya, Yoga, and uh, Nyaya Vaisheshika, full Uttar Mimamsa, of that the Sankhya Shastra originated, said to have originated from Sage Kapila. There are sutras, Sankhya sutras that are well known. Siddhanam Kapila Munihi, among all the Siddhas, and the sage called Kapila. <coughs> all right, I hope, I had hoped to tell you lots of stories, but I don't think we have time. Anyway, all right, we'll have to conclude our class now, and tomorrow we'll hope to wrap up the rest of the verses. <coughs> Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Punapunaha Ishvara Gururatmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha <coughs>